Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Rolando, and we're on episode 298. Yeah, 298. And, uh, you know, a lot has uh, changed over the last 298 episodes. Like, if you were to go back and watch some of our originals or OG episodes, which, to be honest, I don't know if I recommend. I mean, it's always good. When, At least when the, I, fir- the first two are the roughest ones. Yeah, it's always great when I hear people say, like, they're they're OG listeners, and they've, they've been here since the beginning, but... Yeah, it, we've changed a lot. And in fact, uh, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today in episode 298 is how we've changed as resellers over the year. And what we would like to know from you too, let us know in the comments below, how have you changed? Uh, since you've started reselling, what was it like when you first started for you? How have you adapted? How have you grown? Does your reselling model and business look like it did when you first started? Is it just maybe a little bit bigger or has it completely changed uh, and look very different than than you originally started let us know in the comments below how has your evolution of reselling gone uh, and then we will be talking about that ourselves yeah and the reason we bring this up is we're going on is it year five well we our first Four episode like that our first episode dropped june 24th 2018 all right yeah so is that already- i think that's four years Four years, okay. So been full time resellers for a year, four years, entering my fifth year. Mike has now been a reseller for four years for sure. Yeah, right. Which is in reselling years that you're an experienced reseller now. Am I? I still feel like a little baby. <laughs> oh, well, I feel the same way. But a lot, a lot has changed as the way we do things. So we're gonna break this up into two episodes. One is how we've changed, and then how we've seen the reselling uh, game change since we started. Yeah, and that's gonna be our Monday mini, right? No, that's not going to be, that's oh, going to be right. another a whole episode, episode. Oh, wow. another whole okay. episode. Cause right. I think we've had personal changes, but there's a lot of changes. For example, I'm not going to touch too much on Amazon, but for example, I don't do a lot with Amazon right now. Right. That's one of the changes, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Cause I think that should be more of how the reselling reselling game has changed because Amazon for me is not as, uh, let's see. It never was safe, but it was a pretty much a given. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty simple. I scan, I got the rank number. It was gonna sell. Well, 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 man, my I am fumbling. You know, I woke up four hours ago and I'm still tired. How is that possible? Yeah, it means you're not sleeping good, man. I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, uh, it's not the same anymore. It's not as easy. I and it was never easy, easy, but. There was a simplicity to Amazon years ago, and there was a simplicity to reselling uh, years ago that is not around anymore. Things have definitely changed. And that's for our next episode. Uh, but I, I wanted to touch base on, you know, how have Mike and I changed? And we do this pretty much around this time every year because each year I'm always surprised at the fact that we're still reselling, that the podcast is still going. Yeah. Uh, we had mentioned before how we thought about just ending the podcast and uh, I've even considered maybe in the last six months about how much longer can I keep reselling? You know, things have been interesting, but I plan on, I don't, I don't plan on going back uh, to any kind of normal nine to five. Now, if the, 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 you know, the deal is really sweet and, and somebody in education reaches out to me and gives me, you know, an offer I can't refuse, then I'll jump. Yeah. As I mean, right, I think, I think basically the, the point you're trying to make, and I think a lot of people would feel the same is, we're not married to reselling as like the end all be all what mm-hmm. we appreciate as hustlers. And I think all of our listeners that are kind of in the same boat is we want what's best for our life to further our life, to keep going Correct. forward and to have better. And reselling has been a huge tool for that. And I think it continues to be so, uh, but it's not the end all be all. It is a, is a powerful tool that we can use in order to better ourselves, free yourself from that nine to five or give yourself some extra money but who knows? Yeah, maybe that's just a launching pad to something bigger, better. Who knows? Uh, but uh, the reality is reselling is still, uh, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat as far oh, as its uh, effectiveness in gaining money, spending. It's like a, a direct a direct correlation between the effort you put in and the amount of money you get out of it. And although there are a lot of things in life that are like that, there's not a lot of things when it comes to money and making money and earning money that are like that. A lot of times you work harder. You don't necessarily see the increase, uh, but it's not the case with reselling. As you learn, grow, you will be making more. And it's it's actually a productive way to make money and not just a get-rich-quick scheme that people fall for and doesn't end up working. Agreed, agreed. So the first thing I think Mike would agree with this is we probably 
source far less, but we source more. All right. You, you are so confusing, man. What? Okay. Okay. So for example. All right. So we source okay. way less, just a lot more. No, no. Okay. So. <laughs> and it means exactly okay, what okay. you think it means. <laughs> just not at all what you're thinking. So what I mean is we don't go outsourcing as much, but we end up sourcing more. So for example, I think in the early days of the podcast, you and I would go to thrift stores as much as possible. Yeah. So our, the frequency of which we source is less. Correct. However, the effectiveness of the time we do spend sourcing is is greater. Correct. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And, that makes more sense. and you could see a direct correlation. If you've been following us on, on social media, especially on Instagram, I remember the first two years, every day I had stories. Every day. I remember Mike would be like, you're crazy, man. You're out there every day. And I was. I was at, at a Target doing retail arbitrage every day. I was at a thrift store every day. Every single day. I can't think of a day that I was not sourcing, including Sundays. And, and Sundays, you know, I'd always go to the same thrift store, but every single day. And now I would say it's few and far between as far as like on a daily basis. I, I think maybe I source twice a week, but I'm sourcing a lot more. So for example, I'll go maybe, you know, to a thrift store once every two months. Right. And, and even then that that's not even a given. And the reason being is I, I believe it's because I, I've made more connections I know more of what I'm looking for. I found the local deals to be pro more profitable. I find that I can buy a, what I could buy in a whole week going to thrift stores. I could buy on one good Saturday and make just as much profit. And I remember Mike all the time would have these stories where he'd go to the Salvation Army after work or, you know, and I know geography changed, you moved and everything. But I think, you know, your biggest hauls have been garage sales, correct? Yeah, garage sales and, and local deals for sure. Now, Again, I'll always go back to and I need to actually like plan out or like sketch what I'm trying to say because I don't think I have it perfect yet. But the, there's really like three components, maybe more, but there's like time, space and money or, mm -hmm. or capital. Like those are the, the three factors that have to do with how you are going to resell. And if you're in a position where you've got more time than you have, let's say, like money then it might be worthwhile to spend the time going out, trying to find more stuff. But if you, have, if, if you don't have a lot of time, then you got to be more, more careful with the time you have. And so for some people, it absolutely might be worthwhile to spend hours every day going to different thrift stores to try and see if they can find the stuff that's going to make them the money because they have time and they don't necessarily have money. They need more money. So they're going to turn that time. They literally just like give that time away in order to get some money. Uh, but if you're in a position where you've built up your store, you're not necessarily hurting like that, then spending an hour or two at a thrift store so that you can hopefully find a huge hundred or two hundred dollar, you know, big item, high ROI or lots of little things isn't quite as worth it because, you know, you can be a little bit pickier and you're still going to have money coming in. So it's really going to depend on where you're at in your reselling journey, what's going on in your life at that time. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think that where I'm currently at reselling wise, it's it's a lot I'm not going to be spending time as much going to stores unless I absolutely needed to. I value my time way more right now than I did even when we started the podcast because now I've got two kids and, you know, things just look different. Yeah. And you had, how old was your, your oldest son when we started the podcast? Uh, he, he had to be only a couple months. Right? Yeah. I mean, a lot has changed, yeah. right? Even myself, my, my kids are way older and I spend a lot more time. It's funny, I mentioned I don't sell on Amazon, but then I have an Amazon sale on the podcast. <laughs> Nice. So, and I think part of it is a natural progression of reselling where in the beginning you do go to a lot of thrift stores because you're just learning, you're figuring things out. And then as you hone in and you figure out, you know, what to buy and, you know, what are the best deals and how to negotiate, I think you get to a place where you can't get, you. I, and let me rewind that a little bit. When you first start reselling, you can't find enough inventory. Right. You don't know what you're looking for. You're, you're you're always going to thrift stores. You're walking out with without anything. You're going to garage sales. I can't find anything. I've mentioned before where in year one, I remember going to garage sales with one of my good friends uh, and we'd go and we'd come back and we're like, man, I can't find there's nothing. It's been kind of kind of dead where now that is rare. It is rare where this is Saturday 
that Mike and I will go out to garage sales and there isn't anything. Usually there's something and usually there's a lot. And I think it's part of the progression of the more you learn, the less you have to go out there. And so that kind of happens because right now I have to say no to a lot of a lot of sourcing because I could source 24 hours a day now. I know where to go. I know what to look for. I know how to make the deals. And so definitely I think something you should be looking for to as you're looking, reflecting on your reselling is, am I still sourcing the same? And if you're sourcing the same, you need to figure out why, because I think you should reach a certain point where you don't have to be out as much, uh, where you can now make the bigger deals because you know what you are looking for. And as Mike said, as you have more capital, you should be able to have those bigger buys. And so therefore you're not out as much as before. Now, the second thing is, as you get more comfortable and you know what you're looking for and you have that capital, I think you should be able to negotiate harder. What do you think on that? Yeah, I would, uh, <laughs> I'd say you definitely become uh, more, more efficient in your negotiating abilities. Uh, maybe part of it too is just confidence. Uh, when you first start reselling, there are going to be people who are naturally outgoing. They're naturally into that kind of stuff. And so they'll pick up negotiating quickly. They don't mind being a little awkward or asking questions and and maybe offending somebody. And so there's going to be some people who are going to be, it's going to be easier to do that. But I think part of it is just a confidence thing. The more you resell, the more you do it, the more you get told no, the more you realize, you know, people don't really care. In fact, sometimes it's a lot of people think it's fun to negotiate. And if they don't want to, if they're going to stick to their guns, that's fine. You can, you don't have to make the deal or you, or you make the deal where they're at. So it's, it's really not the end of the world. You, you develop the confidence. You don't mind doing it. And you also are going to pick up skills along the way, too. So you're going to realize it's really eff effective if I'm uh, if I'm silent for a good five to 10 seconds, which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but it's super awkward when, you when you're having a conversation it, yes. with somebody. Five seconds of silence. People want to fill in that 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 space. And so they're going to immediately start talking and then they're going to start throwing out numbers and and just doing those things, learning little phrases you can say, like, how do you expect me to do that? Uh, or I mean, things like that, like we talked about with the never split the difference. You're going to grow. You're going to get better. You're going to get those skills. But then also you're going to realize how much you need to negotiate. I think Orlando and I differ a little bit. He's definitely more willing to, to just go for it and to negotiate hard. And I think that's great. I think he, he makes a lot of deals that I don't know if it's a... I don't think it's a confidence thing. I think I could, but there's a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with this. I'm not going to fight for the extra dollar. But in the long run, I've probably lost a lot of money because of that. So um, there's different places you can be at how hard you want to negotiate, but whether or not you negotiate as hard as you possibly can every time, the fact that you will learn how to negotiate the longer you resell is going to put you in a really good position. No, I agree. And I think part of it is I realize over time is that no one will sell you something for the price that they're not happy with. It's just not going to happen. And so if you go into that mindset going, hey, I can tr throw this number and if they don't want to make the deal, they're not going to make the deal. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people get upset and they're like, hey, or you kind of lowballed them. I'm like, well, yeah, I did. But I also have my my bottom dollar that I'm willing to spend. And at the same time, if they don't want to sell it, they don't want to sell it. And I can't tell you how many times I remember earlier, uh, and I mentioned this all before, where I had this huge uh, storage unit of, of Hot Wheels stuff, and they initially wanted 14, and not 14, they wanted $4,000 for it. And eventually, I negotiated down to 1400 Okay, They could have very easily said, no, I mean, that that sounded far off. They could have said, nope, we can, 3000 the lowest, we can go, 2000 I've had it before. I've had deals before where <clears throat> they wanted, let's say, $5,000. I remember this one point in time, and I said, yeah, I can't do 5,000, but I could do 3,000 and they refused and the deal never happened. And so sometimes it's okay to walk away too. So <clears throat> with that understanding, knowing that there's a lot of inventory out there, knowing that people aren't going to sell you something unless that's what they want to sell it for. And understanding that a lot of times, like Mike has said, people just want to get rid of stuff, right? They, they actually know the value. I just I had a huge haul recently this past week and they knew the value. They really did know the value. I, I highly doubt they didn't know the value. But at the same time, they were just like, hey, what else are we going to do with this? Are we going to are we going to donate it? Are we going to actually list it ourselves on eBay? Like we, we don't want to go through all that. So 
it doesn't it doesn't you know for us it's it's not a big deal for us to sell it at the price we're selling it to you for and so we made the deal and they were fine with it they moved stuff out of the house and i was able to get a very profitable haul and so <clears throat> don't be afraid to negotiate even if it's at thrift stores mike and i have said this many times the better you get at being willing to accept rejection uh the better you'll be at negotiating because eventually you get to a point where you understand like hey they might say no and that's okay and there will be other times which i think will be more of the normal thing where they will say yes and you go i'm glad I, i went for that number and so as you grow in reselling get more comfortable with the idea of that negotiations uh should always be something where the person's going to say yes if they want to do it and if they don't it's okay you can just walk away that's right uh another way that i would say i've changed and i'm sure you've changed too as a reseller is kind of really focusing on the things that we want to and can sell so mm-hmm. there's a yeah. lot of things that we can sell uh, but necessarily we don't necessarily enjoy selling. I remember when I first started, it was like I, I picked up every VCR I could possibly oh, yeah. pick up and I did fine. I made quite a bit of money on VCRs and then I just realized this isn't for me. I, I don't like the amount of space they take. I don't like testing them. I don't like testing one because it's like I have, you know, I bought a one VHS when I first started testing them. I was like, oh, I only need one. And then the first one, the first, uh, VCR player that ate up that VHS tape was like, well, now I got to go buy some more VHS tapes. And eventually you just get annoyed with it. Now there are some people that that's that's their niche. That's where they want to be. That's where they make their money. And so you really got to figure out what you're willing to pick up. I've got a whole bunch of stuff in my my death piles right now that are worth a lot of money that I just I don't want to post. Now, if I was hurting if I needed the money, if I was like my, I, I can't pay my bills, I need to make X amount, I'd get those things listed. But the problem is the more you resell, the bigger your store gets, the pickier you can be. And you can get to a place where you're like, well, uh, I really don't need to list this part of my death pile. I can just list this part and then I can go sourcing and that's more fun. And, and, yeah. and so you're not as, you're not as I have to do this in order to get by. And so it just sits and sits and sits. And so really figuring out and picking a niche or a few niches that you enjoy selling in and that you can do, uh, you're going to end up growing so much more as a reseller. And when you first start off, that might not be where you're at. There's some people who you're going to start off and you're, you're going to say like, I sell uh, RC helicopters. That's my thing. I know this, this hobby, this is my thing. And you just start in a niche and you never even have to branch out and you do fine there. Other people, you're going to start out and you're going to you're going to literally buy a little bit of every possible thing you can buy, which is a good thing because you got to figure out what do I like selling? What do I like taking pictures of? What do I know? What do I enjoy researching more about what's in my area? All of those are questions you have to answer before you really pick that niche you're in. And over the years, I've I'd say I've really niched down and there's a handful of categories that I really, really focus on, do well in and uh, enjoy, enjoy doing what I'm doing. So I don't feel like I have to do other things to make the money because I'm making the money doing what I enjoy. Yeah. And I think it's important because in the beginning, you're just learning, right? You're just trying to figure things out. And uh, you do, you, you are, you are, I don't know, you're captivated by the fact that you can find something, you know, for $5, like the VCRs, right? DVD VCR, right? You find it at $5, you test it and you sell it for 150. You're like, wow, that is incredible. But then over time, you find out, hey, I could get this pair of cowboy boots for $5 and sell it for the same amount. I don't have to test it. I take pictures. Chances of of getting a return are probably far less unless it doesn't fit. And so you begin to really go, you know, as much as that's profitable, I don't know if I want to go down that road. So, for example, there are some major electronic sellers, and I think they're great. They're incredible. And there's some new ones I'm seeing popping up on, on YouTube now. And they make six figures doing electronics. <clears throat> and to me, you know, they they may sell one item and it may take me five to ten items to make the same amount of profit. But <laughs> I'd rather sell that five those five to ten items than spend the time tinkering to get that profit on that one item. Like I, I don't like to tinker. So for example, right now I probably have 10 to 15 vintage cameras and a whole bunch of camera gear. And it's profitable and I don't care. (laughs) And will I list it? I will. 
it's just going to be the last thing I do. It's going to be to a point where I'm looking at it and going, okay, it's time to list these eventually. Cause you know, with cameras, for example, you know, I hate, I hate it when, you know, you test and it works and then you get a return. And I hate dealing with that because yeah, do I love the nice three, $400 that goes into my funds? Yeah. And, but I hate it when I get that message and then my funds are on hold and I'm like, oh, like, okay, now, now I can't even use that money. Now I, now I'm going to have to return it. I'm back to square one. Now, how much did I really lose? I lost the $5 and then I lost the money on shipping, which is maybe another eight bucks, whatever, not that much. But the time that I spent testing it, the time I'm dealing with the return, like, I don't want to deal with it. That goes to show too, like the importance of, of being in your lane being Correct. in your niche because if that is the thing you enjoy doing you probably would have far fewer returns if you were an expert vintage camera salesperson. Oh, I agree because with that. you would That's know true. That's you would true. know what you were doing, right? So it's it's for us to say like you're going to have more returns in this category or I experience more returns. Well, sometimes I experience more returns in a category because I'm just that's I'm not an expert there. I'm I'm more ignorant in that category than I am in another category. So I might have listed it wrong or I might have not known a feature to test or not known what to put in the the title in order to get that extra money or that sale. So that just goes to show that that one of the ways we've changed is is getting in our lane, finding our lane. Uh, and one of the things we want to do is encourage you to to find that lane. Like, don't be Mike and Orlando. Don't say like, hey, VCRs, they they don't sell VCRs, so I'm not going to sell VCRs because you might actually have a, a, a system set up where you can test them quick, where you can mm-hmm. ship them. You've got the, everything. And because fewer people are in that because they don't like doing that, you can make more money and say, be find your lane. Like that's the thing that I've discovered over the years is it's easy to see what somebody else is doing on Instagram or on TikTok and think, man, I should, I should sell those things too. But if that's not, if that's not you, if that's not the lane you should be in, then stay out of it unless you need to. I mean, if I needed to, if it was like, I need an extra $400 or I'm not going to be able to pay this bill, you better believe I'll be flipping some VCRs, right? I will do whatever it takes, but if I don't need to, I'm going to stick to the things I know better. And you're right about the return. So for example, I've moved into vintage toys. I, I, my knowledge has grown exponentially, uh, when it comes to stuff in the eighties and nineties, as far as, you know, hot wheels or action figures, or, and now I'm getting to 70s stuff too. And I do not get returns. I don't, I, I can't, I think maybe out of the, I don't know, over 1000 plus sales of, of toys, uh, I've maybe had like two or three, right? I remember a pair of Hot Wheels that I sold for 500 that got returned. and mm. But then I sold it for more. And so that is rare. And so I, I do. I do because you, you, you're you right. I think that's a key point that as you niche down, I, I do believe your return rate will get less. Now, there are some some people that do sell just clothing, for example, and they sell a lot of it and they're not trying to niche down on it. They just, they'll buy a pallet or they'll buy, you know, a bundle from one of the reseller and whatever. And they're just, they're just flipping that, right? They're just basically the middle person. They get, you know, the item delivered to their house, they list it, they sell it, and then they'll get returned. And then that's one way of doing it. If that's what you enjoy doing, that's what you enjoy doing. But yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's just money that you enjoy, right? So if it's, if it's, how do I make the most amount of money in this period of time? It might be a more monotonous thing you're selling. It might be it might be a lot more like physical labor of the items you have to move. Or, but if that's the thing you're into, if you're like, I just need to make the most amount of money I can possibly make in this amount of time, or the least amount of me having to drive and source, then yeah, maybe it's pallets, maybe it's something else. And and again, it just matters of what is what is my style of selling. Yeah, and why I'm, am I selling? And I've recognized that I am more of a hobby reseller, which sounds weird. You're a uh, full-time hobby reseller. Yeah, because I th- there's people, you know, there are people that are like about scaling business and so on. And yeah, my business has scaled, but I haven't scaled it. Like that hasn't been my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is getting better at what I do and being able to spend less time doing it and still be more profitable. But at the same time, I do not, I've said this a thousand times, I do not want to work in a warehouse. I don't want to drive a forklift. I don't want to be moving pallets around. I'm more about the hunt. I'm more about getting out there to the garage sale, getting that local deal, coming across. Like, for example, this I uh, had another hall where 
I went to a house and literally, I think every room was like a different decade of inventory. Nice. Right. It was just, I'm a historian. And so I'm looking at World War II stuff. I'm looking at, you know, toys from the 60s. And then I get to see toys from the 70s. I'm looking at, you know, magazines and I'm looking at concert posters from the 80s. And and to me, this is what I enjoy doing. If you're going to say, hey, Orlando, I can get you a hundred uh, concert posters, you know, from the, at this price and I'll send them to you. I might say no. You wouldn't say no. You would do it. <laughs> you would do maybe, it. Yeah, maybe. But there's something about going out there and being like the Indiana Jones of reselling. Yeah. yeah so you wouldn't hunt for those. Like you're not going to spend your whole time trying to like make those connections and avoid the hunt in order to like, I just want to have like an automated thing where things get sent to me and I sell. But if, if you have, if those opportunities came up. Okay. Okay. It. Okay. Yeah. But I, but what you're saying is automation is the automation is what I don't. Want. Right. Right. Because there has to be a spark and a motivation for me to keep doing this. And again, everybody finds their model. There are some people that are totally fine, uh, you know, not having to do the legwork and find the stuff. But to me, you know, going back to old OG Gary V, I enjoy the process. Right. He was very big on if you enjoy the process, you're, you're going to be in a good space. And, that, and that's where I'm at. I enjoy the process. All right. Now, this other thing is something that I would say in the last two years, when I source, I look at sell through rate instead of did it sell. Right. Because in the early days, I used to look at comps and go, oh, it's sold. I'm going to pick this up. Where now it's like I compare how many are listed compared to how many have sold. And I think that's something that needs to be talked about more in the reselling community because if you buy a whole bunch of stuff that sold one time but there's like 20 of them listed you're gonna have a very slow moving ebay store and the traffic is not going to be coming to your store because ebay likes you selling things and if you have a bunch of stuff that maybe sold once over the last six months and that's why you sourced it because you just saw this sourcing thing and you said hey i can pick this up for five and i can sell it for 500 but it's only sold once in the last six months and there's 10 others listed. You don't want to source that. And that that's that's where I'm at now, because back in the day, I can't tell you how many things I have that are like seven years old in my eBay store that I probably shouldn't have picked up. Yeah. Right? And I do contemplate sometimes like, should I just just fire sell it, man? Yeah. You learned the lesson like you 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 could still probably break even. But then you can get that money now because, I mean, think about it, not to not to bring up the inflation again. But, yeah, you can make money over time eventually. You mean reality? You can, you can say like, hey, uh, you know, the cost that I, I spent to to actually list this thing was only like $2 a year or so or less than that. So it's not I, I that much. Time, yeah. But if you consider like, hey, if I had have broken even seven years ago on this item, I could have then used that money then, which is worth a lot more than now. Like. It would have been better to have broken even on $20 seven years ago okay. than to be All making right. $50 today. So it might be worth saying like, hey, fire sell some of those things. You've learned a lesson. And uh, and that's part of the reselling too is that is is understanding that there you really can't fail. I mean, I hate, I hate sounding like like super cheesy. One of my biggest pet peeves is when, you know, the uh, people do the quotes that are like, just ridiculous cheese and it's like come on that doesn't even actually you say mean motivation anything. people i i i do see the thing is i love you quotes. Do, that is true that is true. i love you quotes do, but there do. but there are ones that are it's like come on you're really not saying anything it just sounds i just don't fluffy. like instagram posts with quotes yeah but just but here's thing. the thing so there really is like the failing forward or you're not failing you're learning like there is a, a element of truth there if you recognize hey if i went to a college and i spent $30,000 so that I can get this piece of paper that says I know how to do something or I bought this item and I spent a hundred bucks and I learned about this niche and I ended up losing the hundred dollars on this item because I picked up the wrong one but I and I had to fix it and then I learned how to fix this type of thing and well now I paid a hundred dollars and I actually know how to do something so you really it, it's it's a it's an education you're paying for an education so if you you picked up stuff in the past you weren't paying attention to something like sell-through rate well now you've learned I need to pay attention to sell through rate and the chances of you. In fact, the more it hurt in the beginning, the more times you make that mistake in the beginning, the harder that hurts, the more that sting hits, the less likely a year, two years down the road, you're going to make that same mistake because you're going to be like, Ooh, no, I remember. Don't get so excited. What's the sell through rate on this? Is it actually mm -hmm. worth picking up? So yeah. 
I agree. I can't tell you how many times I have found something like, oh, I sold this before. Mm. I should pick it up. And then I would look it up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got lucky. Yep. I probably shouldn't have sourced this again. Hey, uh, before we move on, though, uh, there is something that we definitely have changed. And we now have a Discord. Yeah. Which we I don't think we ever thought we would have a Discord. Yeah, I didn't even know what Discord was when that we is, first started selling. That so. is true. But our Discord continues to grow. And this is what I love. We have not, and cross my fingers here, or knock on the table. We have not had to kick anybody out of Discord. We've never had to, you know, I don't know, admonish anyone. Like, everybody is serious in our Discord. Yeah, it's a great community. No one's trying to scam anybody. And it, it's just been been nice yeah, it, it really is a cool place to hang out and and have a uh, conversations and the nice thing is like there might be a couple days where it's like hey mike's super busy and so i'm not in the discord and then oh i get a little bit of free time and i'm jumping in the discord and i've noticed other people are doing the same thing it's like they're in it for a little while they're they're out for a little bit they jump right back in but the cool thing is there's a place to go like sometimes like social media is so unconnected like unless it's just your friends and family you're talking to you're really not connected to anybody. You're just like a random comment on somebody's post and maybe there's a little bit of interaction back and forth. But the cool thing with our Discord is it, it, it is a community. There's people and I'm I'm watching and seeing like, oh man, like people are already starting to like fill in roles. Like there are people who know things and mm -hmm. understand stuff better than others and they're they're the go-to helpers in that category there's some people who are you know really motivational there's some people who who bring up questions i never would have thought to ask like man maybe i've been doing this wrong for a long <laughs> yeah, time like that's a great question so it's been a great community and um like rolanda said it's not it's not a it's not a like a cook group or a place where people are getting scammed or or it's just like hey sign up and you're going to get all this value it's a community and so those who are joined our patreon uh, patreon is like 555 a month get access to the discord and get full access to this community you get to be a part of and we really enjoy being a part of it and i really don't feel like this is like mike and orlando's discord i feel like it's just like this cool reselling community. community that's right so jump on over to patreon.com slash PRS podcast or go to the link below and sign up and uh, come join the discord. Uh, also, hey, if you haven't followed us on social media, we are PRS podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Oh, no, no. We're PRS cast on Twitter, but mm -hmm. on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, we are PRS podcast. Uh, you could also uh, give us a call 619-738-1170, 619-738-1170. Uh, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com, podcast at gmail.com. And if you're listening, but you've never caught our YouTube, uh, jump on over to YouTube. Uh, we're Pierce Podcast on YouTube. Subscribe, smash that like button. If you haven't smashed the like button yet for this episode, please do so. It definitely helps us out. Our goal to 10K by the end of the year. Uh, I think we can make it. I definitely do believe we can make it. And uh, hit that bell notification whenever, you know, we drop, whether it's a mini sold or maybe we might eventually feel inspired to do a garage sale video. I got to tell you, I think we, I think we have the faces for YouTube, but the faces for YouTube, <laughs> yeah, the face for YouTube. But, but that means that you're saying we got good faces. Yeah, I know. Oh, you think so? No, because usually people are like, oh, we have faces for, for the podcast. I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. Oh, okay. I don't go, but. So Orlando's saying that uh, that we're handsome individuals. Because so. we're, yeah, but what I, what I also Let wanted to say is. Below. I enjoy the storytelling of a podcast. Mm. You know, I just, it, it just, it's more organic. I feel YouTube is, you. there's so much editing and doing the highlights and, you know, it's just, it's just a lot more. So anyways, jump on over to YouTube. Also grateful to all of you that uh, jump over to the Apple iTunes reviews and give us a positive reviews. Always appreciate that. It helps us out in the algorithm. Uh, so uh, check us out there. All right. Uh, are we ready to do some uh, hustle of the week? Oh yeah. Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah, hustle of the week. All right, our first one uh, comes from, is that extra sale? Yeah, it's extra resale. Extra uh, resale. On the Discord. Yep. So if you're on the Discord, you'll know who this is. All right, so it's extra resale. Uh, so this is one of our Discord members. So I was walking up and down the video game and DVD section of a thrift store, and there was a big sign saying that all games were a dollar a piece. There was only one game on the shelf and it was a PS2 game not worth picking up. So left the section a little bit discouraged, but went to check out the CD section to see if there were any unopened CDs and saw 20 Sega Saturn games. 
Sega. So pulled out his phone and saw that the uh, one of the games was a Duke Nukem game. Oh, I love Duke Nukem. That was like one of my favorite games on the on the computer when I was a kid. So it was a Duke Nukem game selling for a hundred bucks. So decided to grab all the games and went to the register, listed them on eBay, and one of the games, which was Energy Zero for Sega Saturn, sold for two hundred dollars. Man, so a dollar a piece. 20 bucks for 20 games already sold one for 200 plus you got the Duke Nukem game worth another hundred. I'm certain that some of those other Sega games are going to be worth some more. So that's the way to do it. That's oh, a hustle right there. And, and the fact that, you know, you were willing to look in a different section and that yeah, that's a hot tip. Like don't just get locked into like, Oh, this is the section where the video games are because you never know. They might be moved somewhere else. You know what's crazy about the fact that not only that he found all these uh, Sega Saturn games and great job extra resale on the Discord, uh, it's also the fact that Sega Saturn when it came out was trash. <laughs> I the bought Saturn, it when yeah. it first. Came, I remember well, I like my parents Genesis. bought it. I was a Genesis fan. The Saturn though, yeah, not so much. No, I made my parents buy. It. I think they dropped like five hundred. I don't know what it was. Oh, you know what? No, it was the Dreamcast. The Dreamcast was the one I didn't like. I had a Dreamcast too, but the Saturn, like the controller, was mm. it was just. And now, now it's valuable. And it's funny because I have a Sega Saturn in my uh, death totes that's just been sitting there for years. Get it up, man. I, I'm just, I'm just going to claim that I'm just letting it grow in value. Yeah. But uh, it, it, this might be the top. Sell, sell, sell. It's true. It's true. I got to go, go back and look. All right. So, uh, okay. So this next one is from Tadashi, IG handle, uh, MMDZA318 on Instagram. By the way. Hashtag hustle the week on Instagram. If you're not following it, make sure you're following it. There's a lot of good stuff on there. Uh, definitely. I, I would say it's not as popular as it was because everyone's jumping onto the discord and sharing the hustle of the week on the discord. And so not so much on Instagram, but it, I would still post it on Instagram that that's where I'm looking for hustle of the week. And I still follow it because there are so many super high level bolos on there because there, there are bolos that are like bread and butter. But usually when people post hustle of the week, they're posting like their hustle of the week. And so it's a really Big good item. Bolos. So Dashi went to a uh, Salvation Army to browse for about 20 minutes, went to the all the normal sections. You know, we all have our routes. So yeah. went to electronics, shoes, jeans, was on their way to check out and saw a camera in the glass display. I, I've, I've heard the story so many times, right? You're about to check out. Yep. You're like, huh, I wonder what that is. Notice a brand camera he had sold for $200 plus before. Was concerned it was priced too high as Salvation Army has been hiking their prices, which is the norm these days. And found out that it was only $6 plus had a 25% off coupon. And so picked up, uh, it was a Yashica camera. Listed it on Mercari, eBay, and Poshmark. So it had Krauss listed on all three platforms. Sold in less than a month through Posh's authentication. I guess they have an authentication program where if it's 500 plus, it goes through like their, nice. their yeah. thing. Okay. By the way, let me repeat that. Sold the camera on Poshmark. Not on eBay or Mercari, on Poshmark. I didn't know Never you could know. sell cameras on Poshmark. Yeah, they, they've branched out to the hard goods, man. I guess so. So sold a Yashica T4 super weatherproof camera for $800 plus ship. Jeez. So six to 800. Now I want to go back. I have like a handful of Yashica cameras I need to take a look at. So. Get them up, man. Okay. Get them up. So great up. job, Tadashi, on Instagram, MMDZA318. Nice. All right. Uh, our next one comes from uh, Trev, IG handle at Trev the Collector. So on his way home from his job, he spotted a suitcase on the side of the road. Oh, I love when stories start with, I saw it on the side of the road. Uh, that someone was thrown out, put it in the car, and noticed it was a Briggs and Riley suitcase, uh, which is a luggage carry-on. So it's not like a suitcase, it's like a carry-on. Carry-on, yep, yep. yep. uh, They sell anywhere from $100 to $500, listed it and sold it in two days on eBay for $200 plus shipping. That's what we call trash to cash right there. Yes. That's I love when I love when you get the free stuff on the side of the road. Uh that's there's definitely money to be made there. And uh yeah, the fact that you're willing to stop, pick it up, check it out. Um if it was just luggage, I don't know if I would normally stop, but I and now I mean thinking like, hearing this, I think <laughs> yeah, I would stop. Usually when you see luggage on the side of the road, it's like gross. Yeah, it's, hey, it doesn't hurt to stop, you know. Doesn't you hurt go. to stop. Hey, before we jump on to uh, Mike and I's Hustle of the Week, do you want to mention another hustle? It's AmericanBowboy.com. 
And uh, great deal. If you have not bought bubble wrap from AmericanBubbleBoy.com, I encourage you to just because you'll see how much value there is in it and how fast it ships. So I always mention this. I get my uh, four foot roll of 750 square feet, $39.99. Or you can actually now buy recycled bubble wrap for even cheaper. And there's a free two day shipping, next day shipping or local pickup. So definitely check it out. Again, uh, that's AmericanBowlWay.com. Link is below. Use our link because our link will definitely uh, help them know that we sent you and it'll help us out and it'll help you out. So again, AmericanBowlWay.com. Yeah. Uh, but thank you. Uh, extra resale on Discord. Uh, to Dasha on IG and Trev on IG. Now, what is your hustle of the week? So a while back, I picked up a basically two pretty good sized boxes of they're, I guess they're like magazines, magazine-like um, booklets. Okay. And at the time, I looked them up on eBay and I saw that there were a couple selling for a decent amount. And so I picked them up. But the boxes, you could tell somebody had them just like not in the weather, in the elements, but like close enough to in the elements that like they were pretty dusty and edges were folding up. Okay, and okay. so they weren't perfectly protected in the garage or the shed that they were in. So... I haven't wanted to go through these because they're 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 super unorganized. But I was going through my shed the other day, going through some of my death piles, and I see this box, um, the first one, and I'm like, oh, I totally kind of forgot about these. So I'm starting to go through them, and I'm realizing, like, man, there's some like really old ones in here. The ones on the top were like from like the late 70s, like you know, 1978, and these are Arizona Highways magazines. Okay. And the ones on the top that I originally saw were like from the late 70s. So I'm like, oh, these are you know old. They must be worth money. But then as I'm getting deeper, I'm finding ones from like the 60s, ones from like the late huh. 50s. And I'm like, these are like old, old. So then I'm looking them up on eBay. And sure enough, like people are putting together, like if they've got like a lot, like three or four of them from like a same year and, you know, certain keywords. Like I've noticed one of the keywords that's, that was doing really well is like Native American, right? Because the, the Arizona highways kind of has to do with things happening in Arizona. And so there's lots of like historical facts about, okay. you know, Native Americans and things like that. And so these are selling for for decent prices. And I'm realizing like, hey, someone's selling like a, a lot of five of these magazines together from like the 60s or the 70s for 30, 40, 50 bucks, okay. like five of them. I probably have like 200 of these things, <laughs> 200. And I've just been letting them sit there. So I am going to spend the day or two it's going to take to actually organize them by year. Uh, and then maybe within year, organize them by by categories, like if there's specific keywords that will do well together. And then um, probably lot them up in smaller chunks instead of trying to originally my thought was I'm just going to like take a picture of like this whole box and just say like a lot of them from this year to this year. But I'm like, no, no, no. There's probably some in here that are like gold that people are looking for. So it's a hustle of the week because it was an old hustle. I picked up these two boxes. I want to say three dollars a piece. Nice. That's what I'm like 90% sure. Like that's what I talked to. So guy just one to. sale will take care of all yeah. of it. And so originally what I thought, like I'll probably make like 50 bucks off of the, the, these boxes. I'm going to just probably lot them all together as one thing. I, I might actually have like closer to 500 to $1,000 in profit in this box. Wow. Just because I'd spend the time to actually dig through and like look them up and see like, oh, wait a minute. What are the older ones? So did you ever get to the place that you're just like, I'm done with these? And I almost threw them away once. Oh, yeah. See, but again, source what you uh, source what you like. Yeah. Right. And now now you're more interested because of profit. I'm only interested because of the profit. I'm yeah. still not looking forward to to going through these. And then to like books, not something I'd love doing just because of condition, right? Because what 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 one person thinks is like, well, mm -hmm. this is fair condition. They might get it and be like, this is poor. Or if I put good, they might be like, this is fair. And so being very specific of, you know, there's this kind of curling on the edges and some water damage on 3% of the pages. You know what I mean? Like you gotta yeah. be pretty specific sometimes with, with it, but uh, yeah, it's going to be worth it. Cause I, I think I'm going to make quite a bit of money and it's really easy to ship these types of things. I mean, a couple pieces of cardboard, this is how I ship this kind of stuff. I know there's better ways if you've got like collector comic books and stuff, but yeah. I'll just take a box, cut out a couple pieces of cardboard, put on the top and the bottom, tape it together, bubble wrap over that and stick it in a poly mailer. And off it goes. There you go. Easy peasy. Easy. And I think after the first day, they'll be motivated to list all of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to list them all at once. That's okay. probably what I'll do. I'll probably spend like two or three hours organizing it and then an hour or two listing. It's probably like four hours total of work. 
but four hours of work for anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's not so bad. Okay. Not so bad. So I have two hustles a week, but they're all under the same genre as trash to cash. Mm. And I just want to share both of these before I forget. So the first one I'll share is I went to get gas the other day and it was early in the morning. And I see a Nike box in like the top, like on the top of the trash. And I look at that box and I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. And and what I the reason that caught my eye is that this was a box for a pair of uh, Travis Scott uh, Nike shoes, which sell for like a thousand plus. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then I saw the guy next to me pull up to get gas and he's like looking at the box. And then I started thinking, I'm like, I wonder if people that resell need boxes to get higher value. So I'm like, I'm going to grab this box. And I think after the guy was looking for the box too, cause he like looked at me <clears throat> and I said, it's kind of random, huh? Just a random pair of, you know, a Nike box in there. And, uh, sure enough, you know, I listed it and I listed it for about $64. Uh, cause I was like, these shoes are selling for a thousand or so. I'm sure the box brings value. Now the box was creased and, and there was stuff, you know, like, but everything was there. The, the, um, what do you call that? The the tissue paper. The tissue paper was in there. It has like this stamping on it and the inserts were in there and the box was intact. It just had some creasing on it. So I picked it up and I listed it for $4.99 with best offer. And uh, the, the hard part about it was going to be the shipping because it's a bigger box. And so it had to go UPS ground. So somebody uh, in San Diego offered me $25 plus ship and I took it. Like, why wouldn't I take that? And, yeah, and that was in less free, right? That was in less than 12 hours. It was free, fifty free for you. Isn't that isn't that crazy? Like, how wealthy do you have to be to get a pair of those shoes and just throw the box and away. just throw the box You're away? Like, Man, whatever, I'm putting these on, walking around. Yeah, usually when people have those kinds of shoes, they keep they the like, box. They keep the box because they don't actually even really wear the shoes. Like maybe like once, and they like walk funny. I'm yeah. sorry if you're a sneakerhead, but like because they don't want to put creases yeah. in it and they don't let anything get on it, and then yeah, instantly like back in the box carefully. And how did that go? Because this was early in the morning, so. Were they like all wasted at, and then like at two in the morning, like, ah, finally time to put the Travis Scott's on <laughs> and just like threw the box in the trash. Like, how did that even go down? Because yeah. it was early. Like who? Maybe maybe they picked it up on their way to work. You know, they just stopped at the store, picked it up and then decided, <laughs> what? I'm just going to change my shoes real quick in my car. And I'm going to oh, toss this out. Who, but who does that with thousand dollar shoes? You know what? Not everybody's as poor as we are, Orlando. Okay, there are right. some people out there. I just was wondering <laughs> what money. I just would love to see the story. Like if I had known this gas station people better, I would ask for like the camera footage because I, I, I want to know, like, how did it go down? So. All right. So that's one. The other one was I had mentioned this hall before where I went to this house and I got a whole bunch of free Pendletons and all this stuff. And I, I got a whole bunch of uh, vintage toys and there, this is like part three of the story because I was down to the end and there was, you know, in this toilet, I had a whole bunch of broken toys in there and I almost threw it away because I've been trying to do some organizing at my place. And, you know, I was just like, oh, I'm going to throw away, but I'm like, huh, I wonder what this stuff goes for. So in, in here, there was pieces from a 1977, 78, uh, snow speedster from star Wars, a Kenner one. There was a pieces of uh, Kenner, uh, death star at this point in time. Uh, there was a bunch of, uh, so for example, one of them was, uh, an Imperial commander, uh, action figure, but the head was cut off. Hmm. So the head, so I listed it with the head on the side and the figure and that sold for 10 bucks within like two hours. And then I sold the canopy glass uh, for an X-Wing fighter for $30 within two hours. And then I sold, what else sold? Um, I sold a uh, Death Star walkway for another $10. And then I sold another canopy glass for the Millennium Falcon for $15. And, and then I sold a droid factory pieces of it from 1978 for $35. That's crazy. And I was like, what? So I made over a hundred dollars from junk. Literally. It took me probably 20 to 30 minutes to list that stuff. I would have thrown that away and never had known what money I had. And on top of that, 
I found uh, an R2-D2, an 8-inch R2-D2, and it's more money if you find the Death Star battle plans inside of the R2-D2. So I opened the R2-D2, and this is, and, and I find the Death Star battle plans. Now, it's worn, and there's issues, but it's going for over $100. That's crazy. And to think that I was going to throw all this away. So I keep saying, vintage toys... Even if they're broken, you got to look it up because there, there is profit in there. And you might say, Orlando, that somebody on TikTok said, said uh, one of them said, you you spent all that time for $10. I'm like, what, two minutes for $10? Okay, if you do the math, that's $300 an hour. So yeah, I'm going to spend the two minutes to list something to sell for $10. And the fact that it sold within hours of being listed. So yeah, trash to cash. It, oh, another thing. I found a... Vintage GI Joe, and this was a shout out to the Discord. Uh, it was an abominable snowman, no markings on it. And I, there's something in me that said there's value. And so I told my son, if you can find out how much is it worth, I'll pay you whatever. And he spent like 30 minutes, like, Dad, no way. And I posted on Discord, I'm like, anybody know? And sure enough, within two minutes, not two minutes, maybe 20 minutes, uh, somebody said, hey, I just sold that. And it's a G.I. Joe abominable snowman from like a 1960s kit that sells for 60 to 80 bucks. Nice. So, yeah, check out those vintage toys. Even if they're trash, there's money there. Yeah. So those are my hustle of the week. All right. Hey, so talking about handsome faces, how about our bald, our baldness? Yeah. Okay. And it's. It's thanks to School Shaver. Yeah, bald is bald is beautiful. Uh, don't don't judge us unless the judging is that you know our domes are are wonderful. So we we use the uh, the School Shaver. Man, I love the School Shaver. It has such a great battery life. It's so easy to use. I've never once got a nick on my head with the School Shaver. Um, I, I I the other day I had shaved my face with my razor, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like quickly hit this mm. like side spot right up. Man, I'm not a huge nick. Like I mean, I know how to shave. But I'm like, it's just funny that I was just trying to touch up a little bit and I, I get a nick and I'm like, I have been shaving with the skull shaver for it. It's been over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. But probably closer to probably year two. And a half, two years. Never once had a nick. Works really well. It's just we highly recommend it if you're if you're bald or they've got other hair products, too. I mean, they've got they've got beard oils. They've got they've got lotions. They've got aftershave bombs they've got they have all kinds of grooming for they, all places yeah they, they you can any 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 hair you got that you don't want they've got a way to get rid of it and uh we highly recommend skull shaver uh use our promo code hustle capital, capital h, h hustle and uh it'll let them know that we sent you you'll get a nice discount actually with that promo code and so use it use it and uh let us know what you think yeah, let us know in the comments. I know somebody else just said they bought one for, I believe, their dad. Yeah, we should have been pushing it for like Father's Day. Like, if That's you've true. got a father, <laughs> buy a skull shaver for him. And then, you know. Well, now you have a whole year. Yeah. There you go. All right. Hey, uh, so let's get back to uh, the task at hand. How have we changed a reseller? So let's look at the selling side. I will say I list a lot faster than I used to. What I mean is back in the day, I would source a bunch of stuff and literally, and it still happens and I'm not perfect, but there could be stuff that I had sitting for like a year that I didn't list. And now I'm pretty, like I would say 80% of the stuff I source gets listed within days of me sourcing. And and that's helped me. And the reason it's helped me, it's because it's allowed me to have greater cash flow. It's, it's allowed me to be able to, I I think scale because, you know, the more you list, obviously the more sales you'll have. It's not a hundred, you know, it's not one-to-one that, you know, if you do that, you're going to get a whole bunch of more sales, but it definitely helps. And, uh, it's just, it's been nice because I've been able to stay more organized and more on top of it. And I think part of it is you realize that the more you list, the sooner you list, the more cash flow you have, and you get the chance of sourcing more. And so that's been my motivator is that, hey, the more I list, the more I'll be able to have fun. Yeah. And for me, it's been, uh, I wouldn't say the opposite, but a little different. Uh, so when I first started selling, and I think a lot of people, if you've only got, let's say, 10, 15, 20 items, the moment you get an item, you're probably listing it that night when you get home. Right? I remember staying up, I'd go to the thrift store, I'd get home, and then I would I was taking pictures on my couch at the time when I first started reselling. Nice. And so I would I would take those pictures, list them, and then go to bed. So and that was everything before I photo roll. That was yeah. just like couch's background. The couch's background. Uh, so same day listing for sure. 
And then it was, you know, some death piles and stuff. But now I've got a, a rhythm. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people are going to find is you're going to get into some kind of rhythm. And so for me, my rhythm, a lot of a lot of the weeks, it, it changes, it varies. But a lot of weeks, it's source one week, list the next week, mm-hmm. source one week, list the next week. That way I kind of have focus. I know what I'm doing. And because I'm doing this as a hobby, I don't need to source more. I've got enough of a death pile that if I go two or three, four weeks without sourcing, I could still get enough listing done before I'm like, I have to source or I'm I'm not going to make any more listings. Um, but I enjoy sourcing. So I kind of get that, hey, I need to get these listings done this week, but the next week I'm going to go source. And that works for where I'm at and this, the style of reselling that I'm doing. For other people, you've got to be listing pretty much every single day. And if you're not listing every day, you're not going to be able to pull in the the daily value for me it's more of a monthly thing so i'm okay with listing really really big on one weekend i know it's probably not the optimal way of doing it but the sales trickle in for the next couple weeks until i list again and that tends to work for me agreed agreed where i'm every day i'm listing a whole lot more i would say now i'm trying to list about close to 25 a day uh and uh you know it, it varies back and forth i will say i don't coast like i used to i remember the good old days good old days where i could go like two weeks without listing and sales would just come in those days are long gone i miss those days all right now this is what i think we've ta- touched on a lot but i think it's important to know that i'll accept pretty much any offer as long as it's reasonable so back in the day i used to fight for a lot of dollars right i used to go i'm waiting for the right buyer you know something would be listed at 200 and Somebody will offer me, let's say, 125 and I'd be like, eh, no, I want 175 for it, right? And so I'd counter and and I'd wait and stuff would sit. Now I'm just, I want to move it. And especially if my cost is really low, I'll move it. Now, I, I will say, I do think people listen to the podcast and then I get a whole bunch of lowball offers whenever I say this. I, I just, I get the feeling because it'll happen like on the day of or the next day where I'll get people give me some obnoxious offers. And then I'll counter and then they'll actually agree to the counter, which is not even close to the number they had. So I don't know what the deal is, but here's the thing. If you paid a dollar for something and somebody's offering you 30, 40, 50 bucks, unless it's something you know is worth like three or $400, I move on it. Yeah. It kind of goes to show like going back to the other side when we were talking about negotiating and being hard negotiators. Mm -hmm. And one of the points you made is people aren't going to, people aren't going to let something go at a price that they're not happy with letting it go. And the same is true for us as the seller. So I might work really hard to get it as cheap as possible, but then yeah, somebody, I'm not going to be hurt if somebody tries to negotiate with me and they offer me a price and I can either say no, or I could counter or I can sell it to them at that price. And sometimes it's worth selling it to them at that price. And it goes to show like Orlando might fight tooth and nail and some, you know, People people say things about it, like the way you negotiate. But I, I think it again, is. it it shows that you know that's that's part of who you are, and one one of your your strengths is you can do that. But at the same time, you uh, you let people negotiate with you, and you'll let things go for a lot cheaper than you originally planned to let mm-hmm. it go for. So it goes both ways, and you could e- easily say no, and they can say no, and it goes goes both ways on that. Yeah, I, I definitely don't uh, negotiate as hard as the seller as I used to, because again, when you're moving lots of inventory, sometimes it's just worth it. Like let it go. I'll get the money for it. And then I can just move on with my life. Yeah. And for example, I also have repeat buyers that, for example, I have this one guy, uh, who all the time offers me about 50% on the stuff, but he always buys. Right. And he's, he's always leaving me great feedback. And, and so, you know, the other day he has sent me a low offer on something I said, and I messaged him and like, you're the only person I would accept this. And he kind of laughed. And, and so we're good. Cause I know that whenever I come across certain Hawaiian shirts, like this guy is going to give me that low ball offer. But the fact that he always buys from me, I'm okay with it because I paid $6 for something and I'm selling it for 40 bucks. Why would I say no? Right. Even if it's 30 bucks, why would I say no? Okay. So I'll, I would say, you know, in reflecting what we do, I encourage others of you, if you're getting stuff at low cost, like you said, that's why negotiation is key. The lower your cost, the more offers you're able to accept. Right. So I think in, in that, in those terms too, that, Hey, if I can get something for a dollar instead of five, well, that's an extra four bucks of room I have for negotiation when I'm selling things. 
Uh, here's another one. And I, I don't know where people are going to land on this, but I stopped cross, cross posting a year ago. Now, the only cross posting I do is Bonanza because it's easy. Mm. And I, you know, you just import into Bonanza from eBay and that's it. You don't have to do anything else. And it's a one time deal. But this is why I stopped cross posting. I found that. And again, we do have Vendu and we do have Sellhound. And so, you know, you can still use our links there and stuff because for some people it works. But for me, I found that I, the amount of money I was making by cross posting just wasn't worth it. Mm. I found if I stayed focused on eBay and I just kept, you know, listing more on eBay instead of trying to cross post on other platforms that I was getting, I was making more money on eBay. And so that's what became reasonable for me. It's one, for example, that's why I don't sell on whatnot right now, because I was doing whatnot. And if, for example, I was selling Harley shirts for, you know, four or five bucks plus shipping, and then I would find a week later that the same kind of shirts that I would have sold on whatnot were selling for 30 to $35. So I would spend all this time on whatnot, you know, getting the auction together and stuff. And I still might, might sell stuff on whatnot because there are some things I'm willing to let go. Uh, but I found that all that those hours spent on, on whatnot or cross posting was just, just not worth it to me. So I don't know. Have you been doing cross posting lately? Yeah, not not tons. We we still occasionally do Poshmark. Right? Yeah. yeah, we we don't Poshmark as often as we used to. We'll still get sales. We'll occasionally post some stuff there. Um, I probably my biggest cross posting comes from local. So there's a lot of things that I will list. Mm-hmm. I'll list it on eBay, and as I'm listing it on eBay, I'll also list it on OfferUp and Craigslist. And I like doing that because it's almost like a no stress thing. If it sells on eBay, sweet, no problem. Even if I forget that I listed it on OfferUp or Craigslist, because I could just turn it down. And if it sells on offer up and Craigslist, then it's easy to, you know, I wait until I actually make the transaction and then I just take it off of eBay. So it's it's not really that difficult to do. Um, and a lot of times I make a little bit more money that way because I'm not having to pay the, the, the fees and I'm not having to pay shipping and all of that. But there's only a handful of items each week that I'll do that with. It's not like all of my items I do that with. Uh, so I, I do cross post, but I don't use like a cross posting program. Uh, and a lot of times I'll just decide like this is the type of clothing that's going to go on Poshmark or this type of clothing goes on eBay. So I use multiple platforms, but I don't always cross post. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Now returns. So yeah. I always did return. Well, no, in the beginning I didn't do as many returns, but I've shifted from no returns to, I think I, I was doing seven day returns. I don't know if that was possible. Then I went to 30 day returns then I went to free returns and on everything. And, and Mike and I disagree on this one. We've shared this many times on the podcast, but returns don't even bother me anymore. They used to eat away at me. And, and I've had some big returns. This last year, I had a $1,000 return and I had an $800 return. And those did hurt. But they don't, they don't bother me as much because I, I've learned that that stuff will always sell again. The amount of sales I get because of buyer confidence is completely worth it. It gives me a competitive edge over other sellers, not only because of my feedback, but, you know, a lot of sellers are still in this whole, I'm not going to do returns. And and if that works for you, that works for you. But, you know, we were talking about this on the Discord, how, you know, somebody had sold a pair of shoes and somebody said they didn't fan, they, they want to return and they have a no return policy. Well, guess what? eBay is probably going to push that return. So it, I found that it's a lose-lose to do no returns where you get greater seller protections on eBay and all other platforms if you do returns. Yeah, and you don't necessarily have to do free returns, uh, but just offering the return, especially on eBay, gives you those seller protections. It potentially, I think, an argument can be made that if, a, if there's a wise customer or a deceitful customer they might be able to or recognize that they're going to have to pay for the return unless they do an INAD. So you might potentially face some... Those happen. You you might potentially face more INADs that you wouldn't necessarily face if you did free returns. But I haven't experienced enough of those to say it's not worth it for me. I don't do free returns. I do where the customer pays. Because a lot of times that's enough of a deterrent. It's the, it's the, the safety the customer feels like they need in order to make the purchase. Hey, if this is really bad, they'll they'll take it back because they, they offer returns. But it's enough of a deterrent that they're not just going to rent my item and send it right back because 
they're gonna have to pay the shipping back. So to me, it's the best of both worlds. Um, but again, it probably depends on what niche you're in. It probably, there's a lot of factors involved in it. And, uh, and so for me, returns, but not free returns works for Londo. It's free returns. Let us know in the comments below, which, which do you, uh, prefer, which has been most successful for you and why? I will say though, if you want to have seller protections, the more you do returns, as far as like 30 day free returns, the greater protection you'll have. You feel this false sense of security by not offering returns. And I do believe it's a false sense of security because right now eBay, it, it, all they have to say is it's not as described and that's it. You're done. There is nothing you can do. But if you offer free returns, you can do a 50% return. They will remove the negative feedback. There's just a lot more pluses to offering returns and not offering returns. And again, I get this all the time. I get people all the time. will say, I've never offered free returns. And then I'll go look at their store and it's like, okay, yeah, but you also sell 10% of what I sell. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's great. But if you're, if you're a bigger seller than I am and you don't offer returns, then I'm willing to listen because then maybe, maybe you're doing something different. And you're doing it right. So be aware of who you listen to. All right. And this last one here is customer service. I don't think it's not as personal anymore. Yep. Right. I used to, things used to eat away at me. You know, when I would think, oh, this guy's trying to scam me or, you know, this person, man, why are they so rude? And I I think about it now. I'm just like, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it really is. It's not personal. Um, That's one of the nice things about separating your business from your personal life in a lot of ways, whether it's space in your house, whether it's bank accounts and taxes and uh, all of those things, the more you separate that, then the more you can kind of realize that, hey, this wacky customer, this uh, this obnoxious person, they don't know who I am. They don't know Mike. They're not coming after me. They're not trying to attack me. And yeah, this whatever might affect me personally to an extent, but it's not after me me they're they're upset about whatever they're upset about and again this is probably messed up but i I just i was at the fair this last weekend and you know you look around and you see people and you see some of the things people do and act and you're like some of those are my customers and you know i can't (laughs) hold against them the fact that they just kind of aren't competent with how this thing is supposed to work and it's not my fault it's definitely their fault but i'm you know they can yell at me and i'm just gonna go man life is probably hard for you in a lot of ways so it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. You just, just grace. Just be willing to say, Hey, you know what? Didn't work out. We can do the return. I know you're, do- you, you did me wrong here. And I know you did a fault time ad, but I'm going to move on. I'll deal with it with eBay and I'll contact eBay and, and report you. But, uh, I'm not, I'm not, it's just not going to put I'll that sleep on it. Yeah. yeah. Just return it and you'll get your full refund. And I, and listen, the reason I bring this up is because, I see so many on on forums and on message boards and in the eBay seller community, and they'll write multi-paragraph stories about a a customer they're dealing with, and they'll ask people how to deal with this customer. And I'm thinking, you probably spent 30 minutes writing that, where you know what the answer should have been? Return it. Mm. That's it. Why spend all that time? Why spend? I mean, in your own personal life, you probably don't spend time with people that are sucking life out of you. So why are you going to do that over eBay? Just do the return and move on. And that's where Mike and I have landed. So, so hopefully this episode, you know, as we, you know, document our own journey, how we change the resellers is also giving you some ways to, to maybe change or some things to keep doing the same to help your business. And as always, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling late. Peace.